she came in the room and she just said, Lucy, we're going to do this. And I was like, what are you talking? We're doing what? What are you talking about? And she's like, she takes all my liquor and she locked it away. Mm. And she took my keys and she took my money and she was like, you're going to get sober. We're going to do this. You're going to finish out chemistry. And at this point, I already had like emails. My advisor saying, you know, you need to make this grade to do this or you have to get out. Hey, this is Kashara, and you're listening to Undiscovered Worth, the podcast. On this episode, I get the chance to talk with Lucy about her brave decision to begin the journey of sobriety and the ways that she's learned to create a full life when things don't turn out as we planned. If you like this podcast, as always, be sure to share with your friends, rate, and subscribe. I hope you enjoy. classification I was when I was at UAB but I think I, I we can we can call it a defining moment if you if you want I, I, it's kind of, I would say it's pretty an important moment it just led to like a lot of different just changes but I think I was maybe um I was an upcoming junior and I was still in ROTC and I was um yeah, I was still in RTC. I was a still English minor, still chemistry major, and I think everything just kind of went off the rails. I would say so. Like, I was supposed to be when you're a junior and you're in RTC, you have like a few exams that you're supposed to take before you are sent off to Washington, where you go on like this really vigorous land nav in the mountains. Um, and then you take one more test, and then you're classified as an officer in the Army. Mm. So I had uh, two tests. I had um, one PT test that I did. And I've, I've always known that I had, like, uh, back issues. Like, I've had scoliosis, and they said I had, like, a mixture of scoliosis and kyphosis, where I have the, the hump and the S, so, like, my, my tailbone mm. curves, and it, yeah. So... Um, but I never really like I never really checked on it I just saw it once when I was like maybe 13 and I was like oh okay well I don't have to go back I'm not going to go back because I just didn't want to go back I didn't want to wear a brace or anything mm-hmm. so uh, I was doing this PT test and everything was going fine and I was running and I was on like I would say the one and a half mile mark and out of nowhere, I just, I hit the ground. And it's like my entire right leg went numb. And I didn't really know what had happened. I woke up and I was in the hospital. And they were like, and I was asking them, so what happened? And they were, they weren't really sure either. So a few weeks later, I started having like pains in my back and pains going up and down my legs. Mm. And um, the doctor basically told me that I had something on the lines of, uh, pinched nerve and it was dealing with my spine and that it wouldn't be wise of me to run more than four miles a week and at this point I was like rocking up hills and 
really, really fit and mm-hmm. doing all this stuff and running well more than four miles a week. So I was already, already knew that I would have to give it up, but it's just one of those things like, you know, you've had for so long. So I was in it while I was in high school, just like, Oh, well, if I give this up, then what else am I going to go do? You know? Yeah. So it was, that I didn't so I said I'll hang out here in RTC for maybe a few more weeks. You know, I didn't pass my PT test. You maybe didn't? I'll pass other tests. Well, I'm not the best swimmer. <laughs> 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 but uh, I had to pass this um, combat uh, like training swimming course. And uh, so I made it through the first part. I had to swim without stopping for like 10 minutes and then that was fine so I know that I can swim to save my life like I know that I can do that and then <laughs> I had to tread water for like five minutes and so I passed that part but the part that got me was we had to put all the uniform on and um I had on like the canteens that were full and the vest I had to jump in 12 feet deep take all that off I did that twice that was fine. And mind you, I also have a fear of water. So I'm facing my fear the whole time. <laughs> and um, so I take all that off. And then I believe it was the second part. So the second, yeah, it was the second part. You had to, they blindfolded you. And you had to walk to the edge of the diving board. And they could not push you off. You had to step off. So I guess this was like that moment of where you're actively making the decision, you know, I'm going to do this. So I step off the blindfold and um, you also have like a rifle in your hand. So you have to take the blindfold off when you hit the water, hold the rifle, swim to a certain part, and then oh, swim wow. back. So this was all in one day. And they were like, all I remember basically is they were like, Colonel was yelling, no, she can do this. And the lifeguard was like, no, we need to get her out. She's not looking great. But I was just like, at some point, my, my, like, I guess my muscles were just like, I'm done with you for today. And I'm like, I was out. And when, yeah. But all I remember is them pulling me out of the water and uh, me coming to, thankfully, before anyone gave me mouth to mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and me telling Colonel, you know, I'm just going to turn in my stuff tomorrow. I'm not doing anything anymore. So those are like, I guess, from that point on, I just kind of walked in. And at this point, I have been in RTC for like three years. And then in high school, I was in it for, you know, full time. So I just walked in one day and I was like, here's all this stuff. I'm mm-hmm. out. And uh, I guess that was one the major, it was like the start of the finding moment of where, hey, Lucy, you have to grow. You can't really stay the same. You have to figure out something else. This was working for you at one point, but now you have to leave it behind. I think that that happens to us in life sometimes where we hold on to something for so long, whether it be in our job or in our lives where we're forced to let it go. Yeah. And when we do let it go, it hurts <laughs> when we have to let it go. It hurts worse. than if you were like a few months ago or when I had my first PT test, if I just walked away then it probably wouldn't have stung as bad as it did the second time. Well, you'd put all so, that time into it. And all, huh? I said, yeah. you would put all yeah, that time and work into it. And, yeah. So, that was one part. So then from there, it just kind of like life just got kind of crazy. It was, um, I, I given up RTC. So I decided then, I, you know, my health, no money from RTC was going towards school. Mm-hmm. So then my father 
I don't know what happened technically, but he um, had to file for bankruptcy. Mm. And then things just like, it was just like, boom, boom, boom. Things were just stacking, stacking, stacking. And uh, so there was a bankruptcy. And then my grandmother died. And uh, like I said, I was still having, trying to figure out what to do with school. And I was really depressed and my grades were declining. And, you know, with chemistry, I just like, I remember being one day, on the bench. I can't remember. I think it's, you remember that bench that's uh, right outside the rec center? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that bench. <laughs> Very familiar with that bench. I was bench. sitting there and I was on the verge of tears because I was just, everything was just piling, piling up. And um, I didn't really know what to do. And then I just went back to my room. And then for, you would think, you know, hey, this is the part where she has this big defining moment and it gets better. No, it got worse. <laughs> like, um, so, like I said, I, I was depressed, and I, I just felt really alone, and, um, I think for, like, two or three months, I was just, I don't remember drinking water at all. I, I didn't drink anything but liquor. Uh, I barely left the room. Uh, I barely showered. It was just, it was terrible. But I think my defining moment was when that, the RTC, and... When uh, my friend kind of like, I want to say she kind of like, she kind of saved me. I, w- I would say she like, she came in the room and she just said, Lucy, we're going to do this. And I was like, what are you talking? We're doing what? What are you talking about? And she's like, she takes all my liquor and she locked it away. Mm. And she took my keys and she took my money and she was like, you're going to get sober. We're going to do this. You're going to finish out chemistry. And at this point, I already had like emails from my advisor saying, you know, you need to make this grade to do this or you have to get out, you know. So I think that was a defining moment when I was just like, all right, I'm going to do this. So I would say chemistry had a big to do with it so my, my, I guess my defining was like maybe like three parts I would say mm-hmm. the um, RTC and then when she came in and she was like we have to do this and then my advisor was just he was telling me we're going to give you oh, sorry <laughs> he was like we're going to give you a second shot but you have to um, do it like this so basically I just I was like alright we're, we're, we're I'll, I'll do this so um, basically I used to be a at this, at this point, I stopped dancing. Mm. So I used to be, I, I am still am now a salsa and ballroom dancer. And it's one of the things that's kind of kept me together, kind of. So instead of picking up a bottle, I would go out and I would go dance. And I would dance for hours. And um, I started by dancing. So I guess that was pretty much it. That made me, like, when I started back dancing, I, I, I started drinking less and started eating right and going back to class and um, eventually graduating. That's why it was prolonged for a little while. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I guess I would say that's not a fine moment where I had to drop um, what I was holding on to, which I think about it. RTC really wasn't helping me anyway. I was unhappy. Mm. Um, and then the point where I just... I wouldn't say all the way hit rock bottom, but pretty much was about to. Uh, and I was just kind of forced to get up and look in the mirror and say, hey, you know, is chemistry something you really want to do? And if that's the case, you know, because chemistry, 
with my degree and everything really like pushed me to, as I said, to grow. Mm-hmm. So chemistry challenged me, uh, made me think, made me work hard. And then the humanities, like dancing and uh, writing, and I paint a little bit. Actually, I want to say kind of saved me a little bit, saved yeah. my life pretty much, made me come back together, come back to who I am and stand up and do this and that led to once that happened, everything changed. My hair changed, my style changed. <laughs> I just sat down in the, uh, in the um, shop and didn't tell anybody. And I was like, um, so you dye natural hair. And she's like, yeah, good time. I was like, well, today we're going to be red. <laughs> she's like, are you serious? I was like, oh yes, red's my favorite color. Let's do this. <laughs> But uh, that's where the red hair came from. Um, but that was like the first decision I ever sat down and made for myself. So cliche, so cliche. But <laughs> sat down and made for myself. Was like, yeah, here's the money. I don't care what color red we're going, but we're gonna be red and we're gonna trim it just a little bit. But yeah, those are pretty much it. I guess I have more than one defining moment. Um, some people normally have more than one. No, that's a lie, I think. I think people have lots of defining moments. Even, like, the small <laughs> ones that they don't even realize until later on in life. Because there's yeah, plenty I of mean, things that have happened to me. Like, oh, gosh. When I changed my major to graphic design, that was a huge defining moment of, like, recognizing, okay, like, you're not good at neuroscience, and you don't like it. And I just remember, <laughs> I literally remember sitting down, and I had to, I was in like um, biology, whatever that weed out class is, the first one. Yeah. And it was yeah. the week, it was like I was going to have an exam that Monday or Tuesday. And so it's like Friday afternoon. And for some reason we were out of class and I just studied all day, like cellular respiration. And I literally still couldn't figure out what the hell ATP was. And I had like studied all day. And that was a moment where I was like, okay, like this isn't. This isn't for me. So I just like changed my major. Like at the last, it was, that was the day. It was like the last day to add or drop anything. But I think people have like multiple defining moments. And I think those moments change. And I think as we get older, you know, 40 years from now, we'll probably be like, oh, maybe that wasn't as defining as I thought. Or maybe that was way more defining than I realized. So I think we have multiple defining moments. All that to say that. Yeah. But. Yeah. So I was just like, me, I guess, I just, I've always been told that I was pretty stubborn, but uh, for me to have to go through a sequence of things to finally yeah. <laughs> propel myself <laughs> forward, I'm probably pretty stubborn. Yeah, I'm pretty stubborn. <laughs> but uh, just now, I think that was 2017 for me, it was just growing, and just after all this happened, you know, and the thing with the hair, I just decided, you know, I'm not going to sit in my room anymore and just wait on whatever I'm waiting for. And I just made a list of all the different places I wanted to go. If it was in Birmingham or wherever. And I just kind of was just checking them off and going somewhere every single weekend. I didn't care if I went by myself. I was just going to go. And yeah. I, just learned, I learned a lot about, you know, what I like and what I don't like. And how it's okay to be alone is not the end of the world if you don't have spouse or a boyfriend or someone with you all the time um that you can be your own person by yourself and it doesn't have to be on a need to be basis you can do it just for you 
Yeah. And um, that's what basically the whole year was for me. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> and uh, so this year I decided that I was going to um, finish my, I graduated with an English minor and I decided I was just going to finish it, which is an avenue I just never really pursued. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm at right now. And I'm terrified because, you know, it's an avenue where there, I don't really know what's going to happen. We're just going to have to see. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure it'll be a thrilling experience along the way. So, I do have a question. Yeah. This friend of yours, um, like, how did you meet that friend? Because the last few people I talked to you, like, a lot of their defining moments were related to friends that they met. Oh, right. Because, okay, I mean, so. it's it's pretty amazing to have a friend who's willing to do that. You know, like, I don't think yeah. many people yeah. have. I think people say, like, oh, I've got friends, like, on Facebook. But to have a friend to yeah. do that, like, that's right. that's really amazing. Yeah. Then this, this part is where, like, it's actually kind of emotional for me. But I am, I'll just start off, say off the bat, I don't have many friends. Uh, I've always been the kind of, like, person where it's kind of, like, reserved just because I just socially I'm just like not there sometimes so uh I have a few friends but they are the best friends I could ever ask for like I met her um sorry it's gonna it's gonna do that <laughs> I met her uh how did I meet her it's like you can close so long you forget how you meet people <laughs> yeah I met her um I want to say she just kind of she was a friend of one of my already close friends we were roommates and she just walked in one day, and I want to say she was a little bit stoned, a little bit. She just she ate all of my M and M's, and I wanted to kick her out. <laughs> I was I just remember being so upset with her because she ate my M and M's. But anyway, that's how uh, we kind of met, and we just kind of talked and kind of hung out. And we still she lives in Virginia, and. We still talk to each other this day, but it's like, I think that moment kind of happened because she was like my, um, I was in UAB, she was like my partner in crime. So like, if I was out and about partying or something, she was there. (laughs) And, you know, if I was drinking something, she was drinking it with me. So whenever she saw this happening, she stopped too. Mm. So she was just like, she just came in and I don't know what possessed her to do this, but she just, she's like, I have, out of all my closest friends, I have like two that I feel like I can be the most vulnerable around and she's one of them and she just kind of saw me just barged in and was just like I know you have this issue and I was like no I don't she's like shut up I know you have this problem (laughs) Mm. (laughs) and came in literally just took all of it locked it away she I guess I, I I have to always thank her because she kind of like dealt with me at the point where I didn't really have, it was just more of just anger. I didn't really have any shame. Mm. So whatever came out just came out when, when I was angry. And I was, you know, you walk in and you see somebody taking a stash, you're going to be angry. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> dealt with that. And she uh, stayed by my side. And she, at one point, even like during that period, I was, um, she kind of, basically she told me I was going to therapy. And uh, she walked with me to go get therapy at UAB. And I went to therapy for a good few months. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I was, 
I'm pretty sure I probably would not have graduated without her. Yeah. <laughs> I would just said, you know, this is too much. I quit. Um, but no, I don't. It's kind of funny. You say, how did we meet her? How, where do we, how do we, you know, click? And I, I can't even, I can't even really remember. Cause at one point we became so close where she was my, she was my, one of my roommates. So I had my close friend that was a roommate. And then she became my other close friend where she was my roommate too. So I don't know, but I think everyone deserves to have at least one friend like her. At, at least, if not like her, at, at least two. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all need one of uh, a Tyler. I don't know if you know Tyler. Tyler? No, I don't Lambert, know. Lambert, curly hair. Mm-mm. Glasses, no. Yeah, I think we, we think we all need a Tyler at least one point in our lives. <laughs> well, tell her that she has an admirer, but not in a creepy way, but like a... You're an awesome person, kind of. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you. Like, but you, I think we kind of like, uh, like as I said, I have, I still have a big issue. Something that I'm actively working on is I still have an issue of being vulnerable around people. Um, but I think that's how we kind of like clicked in a way where we have, we have that same kind of issue with, with letting your guard down and showing people who you really are and not mm-hmm. being so strong all the time. So when we were together, that's kind of like how we connected mm-hmm. where it's okay you can cry we can talk about this we can do whatever you could be angry with me we'll, we'll just talk it out and we'll be fine so but yeah i'll tell her <laughs> yeah and you have any more questions for me mm-hmm. so you're living in mobile right yeah i'm in mobile right with now. your family yeah so what part did your family play in you i guess The whole thing, the the whole thing. (laughs) I would say, um, actually, I was kind of scared to tell my family. I really haven't even told um, my family any of this. They just know that, you know, whenever they would call, I would just say, hey, I'm busy. Or, you know, I just, I became so good at faking it for them because mm. there would just be moments where if I had called home in that very moment I probably would have just broke down and just mm. hit it out um but I live in like I want to say I mean I, I love my mom I love my dad I love my family we are um mom has raised us to be all of her kids to be very multi-talented uh active people so like I I write I paint a little bit. I'm a dancer. I also do chemistry. My sister does basketball and she plays the guitar and uh, she does origami. She's really good at it. And I was like, she doesn't read the instructions. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then my brother plays the piano. He's in a jazz band. He's at ASMS and he does soccer. So, I mean, we all, she always us all to be well-rounded people. Mm-hmm. And, um, but when it comes to like, vulnerability and being able to call home and say hey I'm really screwing up um I'm not really feeling well mentally I need help I need to come home I didn't really feel like I could do that and it's not it's not her fault I would say it's just that it goes it goes back into um back into this kind of thing in our in our society where we teach our kind of the women in the household and in the family, specifically black families in my family, we teach our girls 
to be in our women to grow up to be headstrong, mm. independent, not really depending on anyone. Um, you know, suck it up. Yeah. Put your first foot forward. And it, it starts from home, it starts from an upbringing. So as an adult, when I was having these issues, I didn't I felt like I had to be, you know, the person to do the most. I mean, I do, you have to say it yourself, but I didn't feel like I could call home and be like cry to my mom mm. because I just hadn't done that before in so so long, so many years. She would just ask me, you know, are you okay? How are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm fine. You know, I got it. Um, yeah, so they didn't really, I mean, they've always been my support system, you know, whatever you need, if they could do it. Right. But, I mean, I come from a very poor family. Mm. <clears throat> so whenever when I went off to school, it was all on me anyway. So I knew that. So I never really called home to ask for anything anyway. Because also, you know, two brother and a sister and whatever I called home for something in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm taking away from them. So I wouldn't want, I wanted them to have everything that could be offered. And I would just take care and hold my own weight. Yeah. So I didn't really call home that much unless, you know, it was really bothering me. And if I, if I did, it would be something on the lines of like, I'll call and just say, you know how you call your mom and she's like, hey mom, what you doing? Yeah. And she's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, uh, so you want to talk? And um, you just kind of go and just say, you know, can you say an extra prayer for me? Or can you, uh, sometimes you just want to hear her voice. You don't really tell her what's going on. Yeah. So, I mean, they were always, they've always been a big support system um, for me. But no, they didn't really, she doesn't really know much about this particular of what I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, looking forward, I guess, where would you like to be, say, next year? As far as, I mean, it can be, like, career-wise or just on a personal level. Okay, well, um, my, well, I guess I'll just say. Well, let me ask, okay, let me rephrase Mm -hmm. it. Where would you like to be, um, say, a year from now? And how has your experience changed that? the way you navigate through, you know what I mean? Oh, okay. All right. Well, like I said, I just started at South on my second degree. Um, a year from now, I hope to be, to not really like finalize exactly what I want to do with my English degree, but have more of my, of an idea or starting something related to, because what I really want to do is being able to combine chemistry and English together mm. and form a form a type of avenue to where basically I want to be able to have create and edit journals and articles to where that are written by scientists that you could read or anyone else you could read or any other person that's walking the street could read without having to be like so this introduction paragraph I just read it 20 times I don't know what's yeah. going on because I, I think um, a lot of people deter and run from science simply because it's not made easily accessible yeah. to all types of people on different types of levels of English and chemistry and math. You know, and I just think that if we, we don't have to like drastically change it, mm-hmm. but at least we won't have people in office that doesn't think global warming exists. So yeah <laughs> but, uh, 
that partially so all that to say is um how I would navigate it differently that I'm actively working on is basically just being more on top of my stuff my my stuff and me. So what I mean by me is <laughs> what I mean by me is sometimes when I was at UAB I wouldn't let myself experience um, certain types of emotion or um, breaks so that I could finish. I just felt like if I let myself fully succumb to this emotion, I won't be able to finish my work. Mm. And now I realize, you know, I have to give myself some room to breathe at any cost. If I have to get up in the middle of something, if I have to walk out. So that's what I'm actively doing now. More breaks, more time specifically for myself doing things, stepping outside of my comfort zone. Uh, that would be this whole thing, starting fresh, new, at a different place with a different degree, completely outside of my comfort zone. <laughs> but uh, that's basically what I, I hope just in this following year to just continue forward and, and continue with it and just continue putting my foot forward and figuring out how to combine those two and what I want to do eventually down the line. So that's a really good, I think I heard <laughs> a, um, I think I'd heard something. I don't know if I, I, I don't think I could have thought of it on my own, but maybe it was on NPR and someone was talking about how there's like all this scientific information and no one can understand it on like just a regular level. And so, like I said, I don't think I came up with that on my own. I know for a fact I didn't. I would like to think that I was smart enough to be like, somebody should make it to where you, anyone can read it. But I know I didn't. Um, but I think that's amazing because I was, I've, I remember just thinking like, oh man, somebody's going to do that. And like, that's really cool because that's necessary. Um, especially, well, I can't even say, I was going to say, especially now with, like, alternative facts, blah, blah, blah. But even if people could read on a regular level, some people would just yeah. wouldn't believe it. But the regular, the, the rest of us who want to know more, that's really powerful that you're wanting to do that. So. Thank you. Thank you. I just think that we, and it, it, I know we have things like National Geographic but and other things, but you don't have information written by the you know, the direct source. Yeah. So the scientists that worked on this research for months, you don't have that information readily accessible to you. Or, or, and if you did, you know, even even myself, I'm reading an article, uh, I'm reading this excerpt from a journal, and I'm like, I mean, I know the topic. What is she, what? <laughs> what is this word? What is she, I don't know. So just put it down. It's been 20 minutes. I quit. I'm not <laughs> reading this anymore. Yeah. But yeah, I, I really think that we should have, if if we if not an entire, you know, and it's not like, not a, you know, like a baby journal. We're talking about like something on the academia that can be, you know, accessed. Yeah. Right up there with EBSCO and Yale and everything that they yeah. use in schools. That'd be great. Yeah. Man, that's amazing. Well, <laughs> I fully support that. I'm super excited for whatever you do, and I'm really proud of you. Like, I haven't talked to you since, 